0: Bye. Welcome to Games We Grew Up With, a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it, then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be traveling via meteorite and talking about Final Fantasy V for the Super Famicom and the PlayStation 1. I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Katie.
0: We've hopped on our chocobo and finally getting this episode out, so let's talk
1: some games. Woo, let's do it. We're finally getting to it. It's episode 30. What?
0: Yay!
1: Yay! Really, we do appreciate everyone for understanding these delays. Uh, we are trying to get this out in efficient time, but sometimes life gets in the way and we really appreciate everyone being okay with that.
0: And this is a long game. This is a long. <laughs> and we really game. wanted to do it justice because, slight spoilers, I did not want to stop playing this game and I really wanted to get as far as I could. I know. I mean, finish was the goal, but that didn't happen. Yeah. Spoilers again.
1: I hope everyone enjoyed our little interlude of our random non-rose review of Jack 3. If you haven't taken a listen, go ahead, take a listen. It's interesting. You get to hear me rant. A lot of ranting. (laughs) Uh, But no, honestly, it's a format we've been considering for a little bit because there are just some games that we don't have the right background on or we don't have the time for a a Rose segment to really do, but we still want to talk about them on the podcast. Uh, So if you guys like this kind of segment, let us know. We can do some more. We have some other games we have planned that can fit into this. Um, We're still working on the format. We're still trying to figure out what makes the most sense, so any input would be appreciated.
0: So we alluded to this in previous episodes, but Square has been putting out Pixel Remax of the original Final Fantasy games. Unfortunately, we did not get a pixel remaster of Final Fantasy V before we could play it and record this episode. It did come out technically a week before we're recording this, but obviously that's not enough time, so.
1: And we'd already put hours into the original.
0: Uh, so many hours. I know producer Kyle has been playing some of these pixel remasters. I have not had a chance to look at any of the newer ones
1: yeah but i i, I kind of want to i watched one of our friends streaming the final fantasy 5 remaster uh it looks it's an interesting combo of it's definitely you know 16-bit but it looks crisper than like traditional 16-bit which is weird uh, uh-huh. it's like both retro and not retro combined it's a really Clear colors. Uh, they had some really fun water graphics that were kind of way op in the like grand scheme of things. It was. Really it's
0: always water. It's, always, it's water. always water in remakes because they can always make water prettier.
1: But but of course these games have you know. Th- Mechanics that make things a lot easier. They have auto battle. They have better save systems a lot of times. So it's definitely worth checking out. It also it's accessibility issues. It now comes out yeah. on the, the phone as well as Steam. So if you don't have a system or you don't have a PlayStation 2 to play these games or these versions of the games, it's a great way of playing the old school games again. So definitely look into it. The good news is it should be for the next Final Fantasy. We should be able to play the Pixel Remaster. Uh, we said that for the last one, but this one we definitely should be able to play. So we'll find out. But that's a good overview of what's been going on and some stuff going around this game. But I think it's time to get into our video game trope of the day. Trope of the
0: day! So Katie, what is this episode's trope of the day?
1: So for a Final Fantasy episode and for a lot of, especially Japanese RPGs, this is a great trope of a translation error. Uh, <laughs> this is where sometimes translations, especially in the early days,
0: mm-hmm.
1: were um
0: not not great.
1: Were a beast all of their own. <laughs> they, yes. were, they weren't always great. Especially in Final Fantasy and Square games in particular, there was a whole concept called, I'm gonna say this wrong, woollyism. Um basically Ted Woolies <laughs> was a the primary translator for Squaresoft for uh, all their SNES titles from 1991 to 96. And he's really actually kind of polarizing in that he believed Americans could not handle any Japanese cultural aspects. Cultural stuff? (laughs) Yeah, so he tried to translate things to fit the American brain, sometimes Uh, more successfully than others.
0: So this just made me think of a webcomic. The webcomic is Awkward Zombie. It's great. You should check it out. There was a comic that was titled Cultural Schlock, and it was making fun of the Ace Attorney games where they're essentially in Japan talking about very Americanized things. They're they're in a pagoda and being like, oh, look at Los Angeles. They're sitting down to some sushi on one of the low Japanese tables. And it's like, let's enjoy this traditional American meal. And then the other character's like, I don't think something's right here. And the dude's shoveling sushi into his mouth and just says, eat your hamburgers. Yeah.
1: And that, that's exactly it. That's the kind of thing that they would. Switch over because so Americans can understand. Uh, Again, some things were more successful than others, but this is definitely prevalent in other games outside of Final Fantasy and Square Soft games as well. Uh, One example I found was Pallet Town in Pokemon Red and Blue. It's not really completely a translation error. It's more of, again, it falls more into this Mm woollyism. where in Japanese, it's Masurantoan a transcript of masala town and the reason it was masala town it's because it's the indian spice masala and so other towns if you think about it in the game are like lavender town and indigo, indigo. And, oh, they're, they're, yeah. they're plant-based and they're flower-based so this was to kind of match into that same theme and the american translators are like oh it's color themed so we're gonna make ho- the hometown like palette town like a painter's palette except they didn't even spell it as a painter's palette they spelled it like a a palette of goods so they not only completely changed the meaning but then they picked the wrong palette which is just hilarious (laughs) in final fantasy in almost every early final fantasy game you have a job class or even a character who is a dragoon this Mm -hmm. is a mistranslation the original title in Japanese is actually a Dragon Knight because they are, they jump, they have the dragons on the end. They're supposed to be Dragon Knights. However, Dragon Knight was too long to fit into the game titles and everything. And uh-huh. also, they're like, eh, that doesn't quite make sense. So we'll make it Dragoon. Except Dragoon's an actual military role. It's, it's a
0: military role, yeah.
1: That is nothing like the Lancer type role that a Dragoon in the game is. And actually, that's what I was trying be, to remember. Yeah.
0: Because so, I know the the French still use dragoons or yeah. did that is funny. I, I don't know if I ever put that together.
1: Yeah, yeah. So a, a real life dragoon in real military are light cavalry, who use firearms all the time, and they're really in the back of the line. Whereas this, right our dragoons, the pikemen
0: are, are, are yeah in the yeah, front are yeah. in the
1: front, and they're lancers. So it's really really funny that they changed the name from Dragon Knight to Dragoon, but it's not a Dragoon, not a real-life Dragoon. So that's kind of a fun translation that they're like, oh, this fits, it's Dragoon, that's a military thing, except it's completely wrong. (laughs) Uh, So that's in almost every early Final Fantasy game. We've had a ton of Dragoons we've run into.
0: I mean, I know it goes goes into tactics. Tactics is always going to be my touchstone to everything.
1: Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) But the woollyisms also came up in our previous Final Fantasy for Final Fantasy IV.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that.
1: This is where Tella gets you spoony barred from because apparently yep. the original quote was, and just what do I have wrong, which somehow they translated to you spoony barred.
0: It's unfortunate that the face that I just made won't come across on this <laughs> podcast but a picture of very consternated face and that's what just happened.
1: The fun part is in later games, they really leaned into these kind of translations. Obviously we talked Mm -hmm. about in Final Fantasy IV that people loved that line in the long run. So they've really leaned in in future translations into those kind of aspects, but it is kind of funny that happens. Of course, in our main game, we encounter it as well. The reason I had to pick this as our trope of the day was I could not stop laughing. I don't know if anyone saw our stories as I was playing this (laughs) game is the character Ferris her real name is supposed to be Sarisa in the japanese version except in the english version i played and the ps1 was the version had all of yeah. those errors they called her salsa salsa and i just there'd be these really serious sad scenes and they'd be like i love you salsa and i'm like i can't <laughs> i can't her name is salsa it's
0: like, nope nope i can't take you seriously
1: but there's other ones like there are wyverns, which are really classic fantasy beasts, mm-hmm. wyverns. They called them V-burns in the game.
0: Close enough.
1: And then this one I actually noticed and could not figure it out. There's like a squid-like monster you fight really early in the game, and they uh, called it a soccer, like the sport. I
0: don't know if I remember that. I
1: specifically remember being like, soccer? Why oh, is God. that monster called a soccer? It's supposed to be sucker, like the, the tentacle Ooh. suckers. And so they called it a soccer. Oi. <laughs> and so I was I was dying.
0: Those dumb Americans will never notice.
1: Yeah, it's soccer. They know what soccer is. It's fine. It's those kind of (laughs) moments that happen a lot in these Final Fantasy games, but in a lot of different Japanese to English translations, then of course English to other country translations, Japanese to other languages. This happens in every language. We're of course pointing out the English ones because those are the ones we're going to be most familiar with. But it happens. It's not infrequent. The other example I always think of when it comes to this is in anime. The classic original Pokemon uh, translation of the anime. You see Brock eating an onigiri, which is a rice ball and that's really typical kind of like easy snack lunch and he's like oh these donuts are delicious (laughs) these jelly filled donuts are delicious and it makes me laugh every time
0: they also did the thing where it was a rice ball bouncing down a hill and they edited it into a sub
1: that's right so it's it's just a vertical (laughs)
0: sub that's bouncing on its end down the hill and it's like what what
1: So a lot of different examples. It's all in good fun, especially in modern era. We really don't see this happen anymore. In fact, a lot of translations try to do a much better job of being authentic to the real experience.
0: That's because localization is now literally a team for AAA games and that's the big thing one person who could do whatever he wants
1: yeah it used to be really internal and there was like one or two people who did it now it's a much bigger thing they do try to make sure it's come across properly but it was just salsa was too big to ignore (laughs) and so that's why translation errors is our video game trope of the day
0: trope of the day salsa
1: oh salsa (laughs) salsa Oh, God. So that brings us to our main segment. So, Chris, tell me a little bit about Final Fantasy V.
0: Final Fantasy V was released in 1992 for the Super Famicom by Square. The version we played was released in 1999 on the PS1 as part of the Final Fantasy Anthology, which was the first time it was brought to the U.S. And the game that we had had Final Fantasy V and Final Fantasy VI on it.
1: Looking at critical responses, on game rankings, the aggregated score for SNES version of the game was only 66%, which honestly shocked me when I first That read. is kind of crazy. However, the only original score I could really find for the game was from Famitsu, as they do a lot of our scores for these early SNES games, especially early SNES games that only came out in Japan. And it was a 34 out of 40, which is a good score, of course. The big issue with that low score seems to come from there were a lot of retrospective scores that were added to that. So for example, RP Gamer had it as a 5 out of 10, but that was done years and years down the line. So there was a lot of extra criticism, I think, added to it because they were comparing it to newer games.
0: Which I think that's insane, by the way.
1: Yeah. No, I still will. Obviously, we'll talk about our opinions, but that is a crazy low score. It really did shock me when I saw it. But it, yeah. the game won a bunch of awards the year it came out in Japan. So I just can't mm-hmm. believe that people, when it originally came out in Japan, had those feelings about the game. I
0: They've think those fun. records were probably just lost to yeah. time. especially exactly. Lost to time, lost in translation. And
1: lost to translation. Especially yeah. within a day of its release, Final Fantasy V sold 900,000 cartridges, which is an equivalent to $69 million at the time. Whew. In one day, which is... Nowadays, we have huge records, but that was massive back then. Yeah, that that's was huge. That was four and a half times as many copies as they sold a Final Fantasy IV on the first day. I want to
0: say I, I read something somewhere where they begged Square not to release it during the week. Because they were afraid that school children would line up to buy it <laughs> and skip school.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. So, again... I think initial reaction was way better than what we're seeing now because of the retrospective Mm -hmm. looks at the game. The GBA remake, so they put out a remake on the Game Boy Advance that came out, I believe, in 2008. That added four extra job classes as well as an extra dungeon. That rated a lot better, actually. That's most of the scores I could find were within that category, and that was in the mid-80s across the board. People were really receptive to that version of the game, even though they didn't change a ton. So it makes me think they would have liked the original as well.
0: Yeah, that's really dumb, because that just means they're grading the graphics against newer things. And it's like, yeah. you know this was a Super Nintendo game, right? Like,
1: Right, exactly. Oy. Most of the criticisms supposedly were for weak characters and generic plot, but again, this was early in the, the eh. series. And while I can see that again, when you're comparing it to some of the earlier titles, it actually is a much stronger plot and characters than some of the earlier titles. So it's just the retrospective of them comparing it to the newest games, I think is unfair versus the way we were trying to do it, which is comparing it to the games we've already played.
0: Right. Right. So, in 1994, they actually had an official 30-minute anime sequel called Final Fantasy The Legend of the Crystals, and it's about the lead's son and his friends protecting the crystals, which we'll talk about later. It came out in 97 in the U.S. before the game actually came out in the U.S., which is kind of fun, actually. So, it's like, here's this, essentially, sequel to a game that you haven't seen yet and won't for another two years. Yeah. Hopefully, it didn't jade too many people.
1: I was going to say, the, you know, and the only versions you've played are the illegal fan translations you've had right. along the way. So I did find that really funny.
0: And there are speedruns of this game. And speedruns for RPGs are, to be are, like, painful. Yeah. They hurt me so much. But the speedrun for the SNES with an English patch, Any Percent, is 3 hours, 37 minutes. And that was set 8 months ago. For the PS1 version, it's 2 hours... 28 minutes and 43 seconds
1: also eight and months that
0: ago. blows my mind
1: <laughs> i don't think i was out of the first area in two hours
0: no that has to be finding something that's incredibly op and just or, or glitches. rolling with it or glitches we've talked about this before glitch speedruns to be in a platforming game i guess i don't know i mean yeah, you we- do you
1: yeah, and it's a, however you enjoy the game, but for the two of us to miss the core elements of an RPG to beat the game just doesn't feel right.
0: But that's not the point of the speed run, right? You're just no. getting through it. But I feel like if you're using glitches to break around stuff in an RPG, then yeah, that's kind of defeating the purpose of, of the RPG. game as a whole. If you're using a glitch to skip by a bunch of stuff on a platformer which is already kind of Twitch gaming type stuff, that's fine. It's just weird to think about essentially Twitch gaming a an RPG. Yeah. But good God.
1: <laughs> so fast. So freaky. Yeah. But again, I always love the speedruns of how recent a lot of the records are. Like that these games yeah. are old and yet we're still seeing speedruns. months is one of the oldest we've really seen. But that's still within the last year someone beat this yeah. record. Yeah. You know, and that's that's incredible to me.
0: So another fun fact about the development of this game was it used technology that we actually saw in Final Fantasy four, but I didn't think much of it. It's called what they refer to as mode seven graphics. It's the actual eighth mode because they use zero indexes. So it's zero through seven. Um, And this was used in the overworld. And it's very, very apparent uh, once you get the airship and are flying around. And it's that way to kind of scale the world to make it look more 3D as you're flying Mm. above it. So it uses a ton of matrix math, all that fun stuff. You see it in things like Mario Kart, any other sort of racing overworld game. And I thought that was really cool. I like dove into that because of course, that's what I do when I see something about that. As soon as I saw it was like mode seven graphics with a hyperlink, I was like, ooh, what's that?
1: Yeah, no, that sounds right.
0: It led me down a rabbit hole that, and I'm curious to see if this is in the Pixel remake, some modder actually took the emulator and redid this mode seven graphics for newer versions of the emulation or the ROM to make it better. Cause it was initially designed for just regular CRT TVs and they yeah. could get away with a lot. And that's one of those, it looks like crap when you're on a modern modern Television. TV. So like in the old uh, standard definition models, they used something called horizontal blanking, direct memory access, blah, blah, blah. They faked the 3D plane by essentially drawing each line of the terrain as like a separate line, and would scale it differently based on where it was huh. in terms, and so that kind of like redraw. And I'm, this is a very, very, very high level, not technical understanding of this. Sure, but I, I yeah, it was it was really neat to see, and it's I think it was referred to as essentially moving the world under you as you moved around, which immediately made me think of a Futurama joke where the way that the Planet Express ship worked was that it moved. The universe around it rather than moving through the universe but i i thought that was a really neat kind of thing and this was only for backgrounds and stuff right like they couldn't do anything with the sprites it was just for moving in a 3d world to kind of make it look better but that's my little aside because that's what i contribute to this
1: no i mean that (laughs) that makes a ton of sense yeah Another kind of fun fact was, of course, the game's composer, as he's been the composer for most of the Final Fantasies, if not all, composer Nobu Umatsu, I know I screwed that up. Please let it go. <laughs> He was asked why he wrote the black Chocobo theme, Mambo de Chocobo, as a Mambo song, (laughs) which it was a fun little song. Yeah. He responded, well, in the last game, it was Samba de Chocobo. And so he wanted to kind of go into that same theme. (laughs) He was imagining, uh, imagining? He was imagining Balinese music for the Chocobos. I'm not saying all these words that I cannot pronounce. (laughs) I sampled it over and over, but just couldn't bring out that same atmosphere. After that, I had an idea of using a human vocal sample, and the Mambo just fit. I'm not sure where the original idea came from, though. It was just like, he's like, it was fun. Why not? And I kind of love that. <laughs> That's literally what that whole story is, and I love it.
0: So as with the Final Fantasy games we've played in the past... We are not doing a rose segment because we haven't played these games, so these are all for the first time. You're getting our first impressions of the game. Eventually, we'll catch up to a place where we've played these before, but this is a fun, fresh look at these games and kind of a nice progression through them, which is kind of neat to see how they've built up to the games that we know and love. And that's a long way of saying we're just going straight into the basics. Katie! Woo! What's the plot that we know because we didn't finish this game?
1: Spoilers: Neither of us finished the game. We're so sorry.
0: Ah, uh, wanted to so bad. Even more than Final Fantasy IV, yeah. I really wanted to keep going with and this. And I have a
1: feeling this is a game you and I are going to keep playing, even though we have oh, other things yeah. to do. Oh yeah, because yeah. Spoilers: We both really enjoyed this game. <laughs> so, basic plot of the game: The game starts with the wind dying. Really epic. So the king of tycoon <laughs> has to go figure out why it's dying because his powers come from wind. So he leaves behind his daughter Lena, and I'm gonna probably call her Reina a lot because that was one of the other names they messed up in the translation. In our version, she was called Reina. Yeah, she's supposed to be called Lena. Her name is actually Lena.
0: <laughs> How do you mess that up? Because Reina is uh, that's a, a moon reference. I
1: don't I don't know.
0: They were racist and switched R's <laughs> and L's on a lot of names. Oh no.
1: That's, that's possible. That's
0: why
1: Cerisa is salsa? It is. A, it is one of the reasons Teresa is salsa.
0: What's the main character's name? Reina.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. And so they're like, that sounds like Reina. It's fine.
0: Surprise! Sorry. Surprise!
1: Oh god.
0: Oh no.
1: <laughs> so,
0: oh no.
1: <laughs> oh no. Counter goes up twice.
0: Oh. <laughs> uh, English.
1: So he leaves behind his daughter. A young traveler we then encounter whose real name is supposed to be Barts. In the PS1 version, we are not given that name. You are allowed to name him whatever you want.
0: Which is why I called him Bob, because I had no idea what to do. They're like, just name the character. I was like, uh, uh, I don't know. You guys call him Bob all the time, so I guess I'll do that.
1: Yep. So he was Bob. Interestingly, in the original fan translations, they translated his name as Butts.
0: Oh, God.
1: Not negatively necessarily, but Butts. And so when they actually went back to Bart's and other versions, fans were actually kind of upset they wanted to keep Butts. But it's Bart's uh, with a Z. He sees (laughs) a meteorite crash and he goes to check it out. And there he finds an injured Lena as well as an amnesiac Galoof and lots of back and forth and what are we doing next and what's happening and lena's like i need to go to the wind shrine and galoof's like i'm going with you and bartz doesn't want to originally but they drag him with him basically
0: i also can't read and called him golf yeah. for like the first i don't know six hours of my playthrough i mean since... galoof
1: is a weird name to be fair
0: uh, yeah but galoof makes way more sense than
1: or is it galuff
0: you know i always called him galoof but it might be galuff g-a-l-u-f
1: i'm gonna go galoof because that's what i've called him the whole time
0: I mean, I apparently mixed up the U and the L, which is why I called him golf. And then at some (laughs) point, I was like, I think it was probably producer Lisa doing her producer job was like, you know, that says galoof and not golf, right? I was like, well, now I do.
1: (laughs) So along the way to the wind shrine, we meet our fourth lead character of the Pirate of Ferris. They get to the shrine. The crystal is broken. And by the way, we're going, of course, there's four elemental crystals that we have to get to again, because it's still a Final Fantasy game in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. And the crystal's broken, but the shards recognize our heroes for the heroes they are, and suddenly we have job classes. That's how we get our job (laughs) classes. Uh, And we are tasked to protect the other crystals from breaking.
0: Which runs into what we saw for Final Fantasy IV. What's the phrasing I want to use here? Consistently late syndrome. Yeah. For all of the crystals.
1: (laughs) we are always too late, <laughs> we don't save any of them. And meteorites randomly keep falling around them, wonder what's going on with that. Mm. And there seems to be people who get entranced and taken over that they're the ones who seem to blow up the crystals because something is controlling them. And, and finally, Galoo finally realizes that he has some memories and he's like, right, I used the crystals to trap this evil enemy named X-Death.
0: X-Death. Like we're a 90s Marvel comic. We didn't even mention the fact that Galoof had amnesia.
1: I did. I called him an amnesiac. You did? I literally, that's how I introduced him. Amnesiac Galoof.
0: Well, then you can cut this part out.
1: (laughs) Or I won't. (laughs) Or you
0: won't. We're just racking up those tropes, by the way.
1: Yes, and so he remembers, oh, I'm the one who trapped him away and that's why I need to protect, that's why I knew I needed to protect the crystals is because if they get destroyed, he'll be released and will destroy my home world because I'm from a different planet. We also find along the way that Ferris is in fact Princess Salsa. And... (laughs) Just
0: adding the title of princess makes it even better.
1: And is actually the older sister to Lena. Lena. (laughs) I got these names. I know Lena. And so she somehow was lost at some point and forgot her own name. But then they figured out that they're sisters. And that was another thing they hid. At first, we thought Ferris was a dude, and then it turns out, boom, boom, boom! it's a lady.
0: Except I thought she was a woman the whole time. See, I I don't know.
1: I don't know why. I just. You saw long hair and thought woman, because you're sexist.
0: I get. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Maybe because I don't think all pirates have to be men.
1: That's also fair.
0: Who's the sexist now?
1: I did. I did love Ferris just talking with a pirate accent the whole. Oh, game. the whole time.
0: That was that was a fun Arr. part of streaming it. Yarr. The dragon be crazy. It's like, why? A pirate's talking about fantasy elements, and like my brain is breaking slightly. It was so glorious. Yar, the magical artifact be very, very loaded with power, (laughs) and we must take the shards. It's like, why is... uh, These are things that I would never expect to hear in a pirate accent.
1: uh, I loved it. So yeah, so things we discovered along the way. We also find out that our lead, Bart, his father was a traveler, but abandoned or died early in his life, and he was really sad about that. He got and, he
0: got sick and died. Yeah.
1: And and you know, sadness. So much sad. So we get to the final crystal, it's the Earth Crystal. We find out the King of Tycoon, who is Ferris and Lena's father, we've kind of been trailing him the whole game, trying to catch up mm-hmm. to him. Turns out he's been corrupted by X death, and he breaks the last crystal and then is sad that he did it and dies to save the family. Yeah, this is the moment where I really couldn't take it seriously because that's when he was like, "Salsa, my daughter," <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I, I couldn't,
0: I couldn't. They, they leaned so heavily into these literary tropes. Yeah. They had the sacrifice. They had amnesia. The long lost daughter. Bob, Bart's Bort, whoever that was, Butts, the lead yes the lead hit that refusal of the call very hard oh yeah in the beginning of the game yeah. like i'm just delivering you i don't want any part of this it's like all right i mean we're in a final fantasy game we know that's not true but just keep repeating that a couple more times and maybe i'll continue to not believe you
1: But either way, the last crystal breaks. X death is released. And he's like, ha ha, Galoof, I will now go back to your home world and wreck it all. ha, And he leaves. <coughs> what? It's true. Just a.
0: <laughs> Mwahaha. Then he leaves.
1: <laughs> then one last meteorite hits, and it's Kirley. K- Kirley? Kirley? It's Curly. I actually
0: didn't even bother trying to say this out loud since I've already got a t- terrible track record of pronouncing things yeah, in this it's game. It's
1: Curly Galoof's granddaughter. And so as soon as he sees her, finally, all of his memories are back. He remembers everything finally, not just bits and pieces. And mm. he's like, right, uh, we, my granddaughter and I need to go to our world and save it from X-Death. And our, our three other main characters are like but wait, we will help you. And they're like, no, you cannot, you must stay. And so they leave without us. And then of course we're like, no, we're coming after you. Okay, we're coming after you. And so we go follow. Yeah,
0: and that involves going to each of the other meteors and recharging them with something we found earlier. I assumed we were going to get a spaceship slash space whale. We did not. I was disappointed. (laughs) But then we eventually go into Galoof's homeworld. We learn that he's one of the four Dawn Warriors, which I think is such an awesome name yeah, I by like the Dawn way. Dawn Warriors. Dawn Warriors was pretty dope.
1: So, he is one of the Dawn Warriors who sealed away X-Death originally. We also find out Bart's father was one of the Dawn Warriors. So, it was really a call for him.
0: Yes. This is after we meet a werewolf that is also one of the Dawn Warriors. Um, Because there's a whole village of werewolves that you meet earlier, and that's where the revelation that Bartz is one of the Dawn Warrior's sons.
1: Yeah. We figure all that out. A lot of things happened. We get captured. Other people get captured. Things are crazy on this other world. We're exploring a whole brand new world. Turns out, finally, Kirli gets captured, and Galuf pulls the trope again and is like, I will die to save my granddaughter. And so he frees her and dies in the process. But luckily, passes on all of his knowledge to his granddaughter. So all of the experience you've racked up with Galoop up to this point goes over to Kirle, and so she has all his job experience, all his level experience, and then she which joins Which is kind of nice. It's really yes. nice. She joins your party with basically everything you've done at this point. You don't lose anything that you've given him, which is glorious. And then the party finally defeats X Death. And it's like, "Yay, we defeated it. Let's go back to our home world and celebrate that we defeated it." And as we're in our home world, back in the kingdom that Ferris and Lena are princesses of, and what is this? X Death jumps out of a thorn in Kirli's hand and is like, "Mwahaha, I'm still alive." And then rips a hole in reality cuz hm. as you do.
0: Cuz Final Fantasy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he sucks, of course, pieces of both worlds into the void. With him, because Final Fantasy. This rift in reality also opens up paths to the ancient worlds that, of course, allows our heroes to go get these really souped up powers and weapons so that they can finally fight X Death for real this time. For real this time, guys. <coughs> And so we go into the rift, we fight X-Death. He, of course, has multiple forms, because, again, this is a Final Fantasy game. He's going to have, like, six forms. And with the help of the Crystal Shards and our fallen allies, we finally defeat him. And apparently, again, we haven't gotten this far, but there are (laughs) different endings depending on who lives in your party. Oh, interesting. I don't think they're significantly different. I, they yeah. just have little illusions of different things If your party lives or not So that's kind of fun
0: So yes, I made it through into Galoof's world And met, met the, the werewolf werewolves. Dawn Warrior And was about to go into the Valley of Dragons To try to save Kirli's yeah. dragon And that's where I had to stop before recording.
1: And I stopped before that. I stopped right when we were about to leave for Galoof's World. I got stuck at one point because I hadn't been leveling as much as I should and hit a hmm. wall. I eventually got past that wall, but it's, I literally spent like three hours on one section that probably should have taken me ten minutes. So I got stopped a lot earlier than that. But again, we probably will keep playing this because, again, we really enjoyed it. So let's actually get into some of our reactions to the game now we've gone over the basic plot. Yes, so I think the first big thing to talk about with this game is we're back to job classes with this game.
0: Yay, job classes! One of my favorite parts of Final Fantasy.
1: It's so funny because it, it's not mine. I don't hate them. <laughs> That's
0: because you hate grinding.
1: I I don't, yeah, I'm not great at grinding. <laughs> and so job classes make it tough. But the other thing is, I never know what the right job class to pick is. It's Oh, very this was hard.
0: super hard. This was one of those, I knew that, on this initial playthrough, I wasn't going to get everything right. Like I was still kind of using a a guide-ish type thing and the manual, which had a a very great description. Well, it had a decent description of all the job classes (laughs) and abilities, but I knew I wasn't gonna get it right. So it's one of those, yeah, the second playthrough, you definitely will get that because there is a class called the Blue Mage, which in Final Fantasy VII parlance is the enemy skill materia. And that is a big deal from the beginning. It makes things a ton easier down the road if you have been developing this.
1: The thing about the classes here that I actually liked a lot was they give you abilities when you level them up. And these abilities can then be applied to other job classes, which is what I found really, really nice, is that you could level up, let's say, your white mage and then change your white mage into a summoner, Mm-hmm. but they could still use white magic. And that was really good because then you could have multiple people having like, it gave you a ton costs.
0: of flexibility it Yeah, you
1: flexibility, and it gives you a lot of diversity of play. Like the, t- yeah. the style you get to play really can change. And I really appreciated that with those abilities.
0: So there's kind of two tiers there. And again, uh, just as a, a slightly deeper dive into what you were saying, unlike in Final Fantasy three, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Where that's... you could just have that primary job. In Final Fantasy five, you had whatever your primary job was, and then you had a secondary ability slot. Yeah. And you could use that for either active or passive abilities from any other class that you had unlocked with that character, which is incredibly important for a point yes. that I'm about to make. But you would have, like, you could use, say as you said, white magic. Or you could use the passive ability from a thief to be able to see secret passages yep. or from the knight where you could equip armor or a sword in any given class. So like if I or two hand uh, really handed nice. weapons. Yeah. So there's a point in the story where you lose Galoof before he's like gone forever. You lose Galoof and are down to three characters. Mm-hmm. Galoof was my secondary white mage. Oh. Like I had a, I had a caster who also had white magic. Mm -hmm. And then Galoof was, I don't know, I had him at like a hunter or something like that. No idea if that's a useful class, but he was my secondary white mage. And all of a sudden, I know I've got to fight a handful of bosses before I can get him back. I had to level up a white mage and to get cure two was like a tier three white mage, which is about 60 job points.
1: Yeah, it's not insignificant.
0: And because you get typically one job point from a normal battle, a slightly higher to your random battle, you might get two, maybe three, if you find the right yep. area. Sometimes bosses would give you like five to 10.
1: Yeah, depending. But
0: nothing else, interestingly yeah, enough.
1: no experience from bosses was really brutal. Which
0: I can almost appreciate because I always get mad when one of my characters dies in a boss fight and they become, and this is, doesn't really matter, but it's like, oh, they're behind by like 2000 experience points, which is more of a like OCD annoyance in getting all of the characters at the same level. But it avoids that, I guess, but it was weird to see like, well, you don't get any gill or experience, you just get job points.
1: Yeah. And that, but that almost hurt me because I was like, dude, I did all that work and I'm not getting very much for it. Yeah. Uh, but back to the job points. Yeah, you had to level up. That's why I actually, and a lot of things I was reading were like, oh, Black Mage becomes useless in the long run because the Mm -hmm. magic isn't strong enough. So Red Mage isn't that great either. Except for me, Red Mage was really helpful because I could use the White Magic or have Black Magic as backup. And then that was as a secondary, having Red Mage as a secondary was super helpful on a character because it gave me a lot more versatility on that character. So having Red Mage as my secondary ability was super, super helpful because I essentially had three jobs in one character. So I think that was, like, a huge part of the game. Again, job points, of course, as we've noted, are different than experience points, so... They did take a while to level up, and especially I'd get to certain job levels, and it'd be like 999 job points. I was like, well, I'm not yeah. leveling this anymore. There's no point. Because that's basically saying you're not going to level it up beyond this third level or whatever. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. Just not. So one thing we, I kind of alluded to before of when you get the job classes with the first crystal shards, you're limited in what mm-hmm. job classes are available at different times. So as you go through yeah. the game, you earn more and more job classes. And I think that's also what made it really complicated with the jobs is you couldn't just stick to one job the whole game really. It wasn't realistic. Right. You'd slowly get better and better jobs depending, but then you it kind of balanced out of like well then I want to use some of those old classes and stuff like that. So there was a lot of balance you had to deal with in this game, which I think is where the question of like what is the best class to level up really started yeah. becoming a problem. Not a problem, but a question.
0: And this is honestly where most of my grinding went into. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even necessarily experience grinding. It was trying to get some of these other jobs up. And again, if you didn't know where to find those enemies that would give you two or three job points per battle, you're spending a ton of time. Like that thing trying to replace Galoof's healing probably cost me about 40 minutes (laughs) to get another healer up there, which at that point I probably didn't need because I had leveled up like two or three times.
1: It's but, funny how that works. Yeah. So the job classes was really interesting, and I actually, again, as much as I normally don't love job classes, I didn't mind it because of the flexibility that this gave me. the The abilities right. really gave such an extra flexibility that I didn't feel like I was losing as much as I normally would when I switched classes, and I think that really helped in my enjoyment of the job classes for this game than in previous games. Mm-hmm. Because I'd be like, I'm not my white mage will always be a white mage. I don't care what anyone says. I need white magic. So what am I right. gonna do? And that you could, you didn't have to do that in this game, and I really appreciated that I didn't have to do that in this.
0: Yeah. It definitely leads into, and again my touchdown, Final Fantasy Tactics.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It you can see the they're building up how they want to use this job system mm-hmm. that they, you know, got rid of after tactics. But
1: Yeah, they get they go in and out of this job system.
0: It's just kind of it's it's spin the wheel. Oh, we're on a Final Fantasy game with tactics, so I guess we'll use it this time.
1: Outside of job classes, I think one of the other notable features of this game in particular was the number of transportation that I feel like we had in this game versus other games we had a lot of different types of transportation in this game so you start with the chocobo you're running around on Uh, one chocobo a basic one then you get your pirate ship that sinks then you have a (laughs) dragon you can fly around then you get a fire ship that's faster than the pirate ship that then sinks
0: (laughs) and that fell into the swamp
1: Yeah, exactly. And then you get a black chocobo who somehow can fly over mountains, but a dragon can't. Someone answer that. Why is a black chocobo better than a dragon?
0: Why can a gold chocobo do better than an airship?
1: Fair point. (laughs) Still, and then we have airships, and then we have warps via meteor, right? There are a couple times we warp around to different worlds and within the same world even.
0: Which was which was an interesting way to essentially transition you from one transportation Region. mode to the other. Yeah. Because you had to leave behind like your the chocobo dragon. or your dragon and couldn't get back to it.
1: Yep. And then lastly you get a submarine in Galoof's world. Oh. Yeah.
0: I guess we had that in
1: We've had subs before.
0: Was that three? It was an airship that could go underwater.
1: Yes, yes. It was three of the airships. But
0: it wasn't underwater. it wasn't fast like the other airship. Yeah.
1: So the interesting thing again along with our ships and in general we had of course our old buddy Sid was back at it again he's the one who designed oh, the fire yeah. ship he he and his grandson Mid yes it's Sid and Mid <laughs> But Sid and Mid are the your like transportation experts because they do the uh, fire ship, they right. do the airship, they actually help you with the meteorites to get to the other world. There are like science experts, so back at it again. But that that was I found really interesting that there were just a lot of different ways of getting around the worlds again. And I always like when it's very different. They're not all airship, they're not all ships. It was like yeah, chocobos and a dragon and. <laughs>
0: Did you find it a pain in the butt to steer that airship around, especially yes. when it got to be the fast one? Yeah. Like, I kept overrunning where I wanted to land.
1: Yeah. It, especially
0: when it needed to land on the on place the, where Sid hung out.
1: Yep. The one was just square. Like the
0: one tile. And it's just like, you're going back and forth and you're like, stop, stop it. Stop, I'd always stop, you'd just uh, go from a
1: distance Because then I could yeah. better line it up Or when you're trying to land by Bart's home yeah. Village, there was one piece of land That you could <laughs> land on And it was a pain uh, Though I did go back there all the time Because you could buy everything for cheaper Because they're like, you're for, you're a hometown boy You can buy everything for yeah. a discount And I was like, yes I will So I always went back there
0: Explain to you that it's your hometown
1: They have to tell us it's our hometown because we've never been there before. They're like, oh, this is your hometown. Welcome home. Welcome to your
0: hometown.
1: And then randomly they talk about, it's funny because there's, at one point he talks about how he's scared of heights and you find out why when you go to the hometown because you talk to one kid who they were playing hide and seek and he got abandoned on a roof at one point and almost fell off and that's why he's scared of heights. And they don't really go beyond that. No. Also, maybe he comes back later in the game, but I was very offended that early in the game, Bart's is Chocobo is named Boko, and he's amazing. And then we leave him <laughs> behind, and we never get him back again.
0: And poor Boko.
1: Poor Boko got abandoned, and I'm offended.
0: So this game also carried on with a lot of the summons, mm-hmm. the very classic summons. I did think it was interesting. This is also a thing with all the other games. Like It's called uh, Rameth, but when you cast it, it says Judgment Bolt. Yeah. But did you notice what it actually said, at least in our version? No. It called it Judge Bolt. Oh yeah. J J U D G E no space B L T.
1: Yeah, well, if you notice, Titan was supposed to be Earth Smash, except it was E R T H. R
0: T H. <laughs> yes, and I was like, are we are we in Fortran where you only get like six characters? I think that's
1: what it is. They don't have enough room. No,
0: but then Shiva was Diamond Dust <laughs> full <true>. name. <laughs> so like going back to our translation error, like. Someone just got lazy in the translation and localization. It
1: was like, it's too much.
0: Producer Lisa thought that Judge BLT was was hilarious.
1: Yes, yes. Producer Kyle just said he's a local food critic. He's Judge BLT.
0: (laughs) Judge BLT.
1: I did appreciate when you get Ifrit, you have to go, you're like going through the dungeons at one point, and after you get him, there's this bookcase that had been blocking you up to the point. Literally a moving bookcase kept not letting you through, and he's like, Yeah, you can't get through. Oh Lord Ifrit, I'm so sorry. And like open- I'll just
0: I'll just let you go.
1: When you meet up with rameth he's like ah my friend ifrit i'm like oh he acknowledges yeah. that i have ifrit as a summon
0: and it's interesting because some of those it's like you would fight them to get it but then you would also find items that would turn into the summon it yeah. seemed very arbitrary because it's just like you use the item and get the summon yeah why would you do it that way
1: yeah there was there was inconsistency there
0: it was cool how you got some of those as you said you have to go find rameth in the woods you fight ifrit or a uh, free i don't know which one it is. Yeah,
1: apparently you could encounter Rammoth later as well if you missed him in the woods because that's more of a random encounter. Uh, But yeah, no, but like Shiva was in the castle like surrounded by water.
0: Yeah, there was one that I was trying to get right before I stopped playing Golem. It's a random encounter, and if you just see him, he'll punch you once and then run away. But in another random encounter, you could find him surrounded by other enemies, and to get him, you have to essentially heal him and beat the other enemies, and then he'll join you as an item to get him.
1: Interesting. That's a fun battle dynamic.
0: Yeah. So it's. I feel like that's. it's very, very different than some of the other ways that we've seen to get these summons rather than just being awarded them. I say that and I guess, Leviathan. And in the last couple of games, you have to fight Leviathan yeah, and stuff and like there's that. There's other games but...
1: later on. They actually start bringing that back in later games. Because I know in the Final Fantasy VII remake, in order to earn the summons, you have to fight and beat them in order to earn them. Right. So it does come back in. No, but I did find that dynamic very interesting. Yeah. And there were some interesting battles.
0: It was interesting. There was a lot of like meat gate type bosses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where yeah. it's just like you run into an area and it's like, you're not supposed to be here. Yep. We're going to kill you instantly. Turn around.
1: Yeah. And some of those you couldn't run away from, which frustrated the heck out of you. Yeah. Me that was the in the basement of one of the castles. I can't remember which castle it was. There was an imp that if you fought it too early, it just freaking wrecked you. And then I found out yeah. later you could only beat it with an axe, which only like the berserker could wield. And mm-hmm. berserkers are frustrating because you literally can't control them. They just attack. And then the yeah. imp would use enrage and everyone else would just attack. So you kind of have to hope that you kill it before it kills you because you couldn't heal. Even when I was leveled up, that was a very frustrating boss. And that's what I encountered yeah. a lot in this game. There were bosses that were very frustrating to deal with because a lot of the random luck seemed to go against me i got charmed mm-hmm. a lot or confused a lot <laughs> and there's no real items you can buy early in the game to prevent that and so it's just no. luck and that frustrated me so much that's why i actually rage quit at one point because <laughs> i got killed i felt like slightly unfairly because i got confused all my whole mm-hmm. team got confused really quickly and there was just nothing i could do to save them and it was like okay i can't keep playing and it happened multiple times in a row and I was like I cannot keep playing this I almost like smashed my ps2 controller not smart and was really angry and actually rage quit which is the first time I think in a long time I've rage quit a rpg like I was angry at this and that was one of my biggest frustrations with the game is there were a lot of random what should be random elements that felt higher percentage than normal for these kind of games I dealt with a lot more back attacks in this game which isn't the end of the world but it was notable I was like wow I'm getting back attack a lot in this game
0: it's like they were truly random as opposed to weighted random to make it balanced
1: exactly and i'm used to the weighted random and it just didn't feel balanced and it felt very unfair at certain times and that's really really frustrating
0: you also know you could hit your own team to get them not confused anymore right
1: no, I know, but the problem is okay. I'd, only want, I'd only want to hit them with my weaker teammates so I didn't yeah. you know, murder my own team, and most of the time it, they would be the ones either confused or more likely they would die before I had a chance to do it. Mm. So no, no, I did know that. but Or I'd be like, I can't hit them right now because I need to heal everyone so they don't all die. Right. It, it was those kind of situations. Like The other thing I will note, this game was really bad at showing status ailments
0: it was like poison was obvious enough but what was the one that took us forever to figure out old
1: yeah i didn't know what aging was i was like yeah. "What is was happening it just turned the hair gray and it didn't explain what that was and there's no way of counteracting that in a battle you can stop right. the effect so it doesn't keep hurting your like because aging basically means your attack and your defense keeps draining yeah. And you can stop the drain, but you can't actually restore what you've lost, which again is right. frustrating. It's like, okay, so you've put me in a situation where there's nothing I could do. So there was one boss in particular who would do this a lot, the cannons
0: mm-hmm. on the
1: airship, and he would just constantly hit you with aging. So there was almost no fighting it after a while. I stopped using Asuna because I was like, what's the point? He's just going to hit me with again. I'm wasting a time. Right. But then it just... That kind of thing was really, really frustrating. Or blindness would have the typical glasses that cover your eyes. But actually, if your character was highlighted, it was their turn, they disappear. So you can't tell if you didn't remember that they had it. You couldn't see it, which is then like, okay, but what if I don't notice? And there's no way of checking that status. And also, any status you add to enemies, can't see it on enemies at all. There's no status on enemies. No, there
0: was that... There was a way to check status mid battle and I don't remember what it was. I I found it accidentally I one time. I never found it. Yeah.
1: So interestingly, this comes up. There was a particular weapon, the ninja knife I think it was called or ninja dagger that you and I both used, but you're like, why do these oh, two characters oh, yeah. do that?
0: Yeah. No, yeah, like the the mage because when in retrospect, it was yeah, called like the mage knife or yeah. something like that. And yeah, you as as you were about to say you hit someone and it would make like a slashing motion and then put up some sort of kanji that we had no idea what it meant.
1: So it silences people. Yes. I only figured that out when it got reflected onto me and it silenced one of my own
0: teammates. Yep, that's what I figured it out too.
1: And I also figured out one of Bart's weapons, I can't even remember what it was called, had an extra effect that aged the party.
0: Oh, could it be the ancient sword?
1: Yes, it was the ancient sword. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) And... That makes
0: sense in retrospect. Yeah.
1: And because it would, again, it was a random, it didn't happen every single hit, but occasionally yeah. you'd see the effect and I didn't know what it was doing because there was no way for me, I didn't know the way to check it until it got reflected back on my own party. And I was like, oh, it's aging right. me, wonderful. That's what it does to other team. But the, the fact you couldn't see it on enemies at all was really frustrating in this version of the game. I know in later versions of the game, you could kind of see it, so it became mm-hmm. slightly easier. But those kind of elements of like, I that frustrated me so much because it makes yeah. it, there was also a drain element. I think it was like slip or something. Thing that a couple mm. of enemies had where your health just constantly drains. It's not even like oh, yeah, poison yeah, yeah. that it's like occasionally you get like five, ten points off. It was just No, it's a constant,
0: constant unlike poison. Yeah, That was, was a panic-inducing brutal effect. Brutal,
1: because <laughs> this one boss, the cannon, the mega cannon, kept doing it. So every time it was yeah. about to end, he'd hit you with it again. And so I was in constant heal mode. My mistake was I didn't have a time mage going into this. And so I finally right. had to go and talk about the, jo- the job leveling. Level up a time mage enough mm. to have time magic to slow it down and that was the only way i could beat it was by slowing it down so that it stopped hitting me as often and that's just again the job class is like it's i had never needed a time mage up to that point and then suddenly i basically wasn't going to be able to beat it without it just because of my circumstances and that was really frustrating
0: one thing about the classes as well is that there was no limit on items so you could actually carry enough items around to equip any given class at any given time unlike final fantasy 3 well, yeah. like you had limited item slots, and you're like, these jobs are useless now. Yeah, I guess you had the fat chocobo, but...
1: Still, I, that was much more convenient, was like, oh, I'm good, yeah. I can have as many items as I want, yay. So, there, again, there are aspects that they really improved on for this game.
0: It's funny, again, coming from playing Final Fantasy VI before this. Mm-hmm. Not not a ton, but enough where the music in this game, especially the battle music, to me sounded like discount Final Fantasy 6 music. It's, it's like funny. well it's almost the Final Fantasy 6 music which I feel like is way more iconic because of its exposure to the US first, yes. right? And just it was a more popular game. And listening to this music afterwards was like, it sounds like the knockoff Final Fantasy VI music. What's funny like, is,
1: whereas the Final Fantasy VI music really was the more developed version of this music. Yeah. The other way around. The soundtrack had like 60-some tracks on it. It was like I massive. saw
0: that. It was a lot. There was some really fun music in there, too. I remember, I don't think you hit this part. You might have, uh, you run over a bridge at some point and fight a bunch of enemies. And it's, it was just really fun, upbeat music.
1: There was just a lot of fun music. The black chocobo yeah. music. Was the Mamba music. Like, there was a oh, lot yeah. of fun music.
0: The the Black Jocobo music was amazing. I
1: really liked it. There
0: was um, a village south of the, the Valley of Dragons or something like that, where it almost, to me, sounded like the fair sl- or like festival music from Croto Trigger. Oh, that's funny. Like, the there music does... in this game was phenomenal. It
1: was good, but yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I could see why you could say it's a knockoff of six, but when, in fact, yeah. there were, like, six built on what five yeah. had. And I think that, the, you gotta give credit, I really like the music in this game. I really enjoyed it. Yeah,
0: I enjoyed a lot about this game. Yeah. I won't lie.
1: So that brings us to the point, Chris. What is your final score for Final Fantasy V?
0: Honestly, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I really, really loved playing this game. And I will say, you know, the plot is what it is. It's not hu- you know, hugely in-depth from any other one, but call it a job system and a decently built job system is one of my weaknesses because it, it lets me grind, which I love doing, and it gives you that flexibility. I love... Really loved the mechanics of this game, and I thought that it played well into the boss battles and stuff like that And there's certainly a ton of replayability with these jobs and knowing how these jobs work.
1: Yeah honestly the flexibility of the jobs made it so much more tolerable for me than it had been in the past and that was always one of my biggest gripes with job systems was just I mm-hmm. really really struggled with what do I do what do I focus yeah. on you know I don't know what to do and so I because of that I really didn't always like job classes I really enjoyed it a lot more in this game it didn't stress me out it was still a thing but it was a lot less stressful so I think for me I'm getting yeah. it in, in eight out of ten I really liked the game I really enjoyed it I'm going to keep playing it
0: oh absolutely I really really want to finish this game and I want to play it again yeah just so I could get a better handle on some of these job systems yeah especially with the pixel remaster with some of the improvements that they've made I was gonna say
1: I'm probably gonna want if I can finish it on this original run I'm gonna probably play the pixel remaster if I play it again because I think I want to see the experience and see if it's smoother and everything I really enjoyed the game it was a lot of fun and while it's funny some of the original reviews said it had a weak plot and weak characterization this feels so much stronger than some of the other games we've played up to this point these characters have had personality yes yeah it was still the crystals it's always the freaking crystals like that's how it is
0: they had personality. They were expressive. Yeah. Like, I loved the surprised sprite face yeah. where the eyes just get and really the big. The eyes get really big. Uh, and they used the heck out of that. But yeah. I loved it every single time. I love the question mark. There was one point where like uh, someone got confused so the question mark thing came yeah. up and then it turned into an exclamation that point. That was Galoof
1: when he was remembering everything. Yeah.
0: And he hits it and it bounces away off the screen. Yeah. And it's just those little touches where it's like, this is great.
1: No, and... and- I found the character so much more endearing in this than some of the other ones. Like yeah. I I really enjoyed it. Ferris speaking like a pirate the whole time yeah. was kind of amazing to me. But like those little things just made it.
0: You also danced to Carmen? You yeah. danced to Carmen at some point. I was yes. like, that's that's Carmen. All right. Where that's happening.
1: And all the dancers sit on top of you.
0: Oh, jeez. You also had to save Ferris at one point, which made me laugh.
1: Ah, uh, I get it.
0: Ah, yay. <laughs>
1: But yeah, no, I just, I genuinely really love this game. I had a lot of fun with it. I'm going to keep playing. Yeah. I really feel bad that we didn't get to beat the game for the episode, but... It's a
0: long it's game. It's a
1: long game. These games are getting a lot longer. We might have to approach some of these later ones differently yeah. because we have actually played them. So they're going to be more traditional where we're going to have Rose segments yeah. for the next one. So look forward to that. This is the last of the Final Fantasies that we're going to cover at least. At that we haven't played it all. we yeah. didn't play before. So I'm really excited for getting back to the ones we knew before, but I'm also, I'm really glad we did this. I loved seeing yeah. the development of... Of the series into what it is now and
0: it's been really really neat yeah it's been
1: a lot of fun so thank you so far on joining us on this journey it's been a lot of fun the next game will come down the line i don't know if it'll be in five episodes or ten episodes we still have to figure that out but it's coming mm-hmm. down the line but our next actual episode is what chris
0: it is going to be commander keen Way. so a very large pivot from what we've been doing
1: pivot pivot
0: pivot. <laughs> going back to a side scroller on the pc on the pc
1: so look forward to that it is going to be another month before it comes out just because again it's holiday season it's life we yeah. really appreciate everyone understanding that we are kind of taking a little bit more time for these episodes because we want to make sure these games are getting their due time let us know what you think let us know if there's any games you want us to cover we're having a lot of fun so far but really thank you as always for listening thank you for hanging out with us on stream you can join us on twitch at GwGw show or join us on social media at gwgwshow. It really we love interacting with you guys.
0: We've got some great feedback. Couldn't do it without you guys. We couldn't do it without our producers, producer Lisa, producer Kyle, keeping us on track and honest. making sure we don't say anything dumb, keeping us on schedule.
1: Thank you again everyone. Leave us reviews, come hang out with us on stream, and we'll see you in the next episode. So, say goodbye, Chris.
0: Goodbye, salsa. <laughs>
1: Bye! Salsa! I love you, Salsa! (laughs) No, you're on the wrong segment.
0: Oh, I scrolled too far! (laughs)
1: Literally, you're on the wrong segment!
0: Shit balls.